This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Keith Zafrin, founder of The Great Dads Project and author of How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. Hi, Keith. Welcome to Family Confidential. Thank you, Annie. I'm really glad to be here with you. And I'm happy you made the time. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed your book, How to Be a Great Dad. And you were talking to someone who suffered from father hunger for a long time. And so maybe that's why we connected on Twitter, at least why the topic of your book was so interesting to me. Um, my dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack when I was 15. And, um, wow. yeah, there was a lot of a lot of residual stuff to work through. So I, I could really relate to what you were saying, though, you know, different causes, but that hunger is a real thing. So I wanted to ask you, um, you alluded to it in the book, and I figured as much that no one would write a book like this unless they had been on a journey and had done some significant healing for you to be in a place yeah. where you could help other people. So I wonder if you could share with our listeners um, what it was like growing up for you um, with the dad that you had. Yeah, um, my dad was around to some degree. I didn't know him very well as a young child. I have to go back in my memory to figure out what happened, talk to my mom, talk to others. I know that my dad left our family when I was seven and would show up every three or four weeks if or so. We'd have a fun weekend together. He'd drop us off and then I wouldn't hear from him again. There was no contact usually in between visits. And it was a, it was a strained relationship. Uh, my dad had a hard time being a dad. I think he had a hard time with any kind of responsibility in life, uh, whether it was work-related, relationship, or family. And I did. it was just tough for about seven years. It was a difficult time trying to connect with him, needing, wanting, uh, longing for more from him, but not getting it. Mm -hmm. Until I was about 14 years old, I went away to a tennis camp, a non-religious tennis camp, but my counselor was a Christian and I had never heard the Christian story before and at that camp I made a decision to follow the teachings of Jesus and I came back and told my dad who was by culture Jewish but by belief system atheist and he uh, did not react well let's say and he took it personally he had no idea how a child of his could believe something so stupid he said and there was a lot of rejection and even more distance than there had been in the past. Mm -hmm. And for about two years, that was the case until my brother died, my younger brother. I was 16, he was 13, and my mm -hmm. dad really, um, really descended into some depression and very upset with me. He assumed that because of my new belief system that I would believe that Kenny, my brother, was in heaven, uh, which I didn't believe, but my dad and I never talked about it. So my dad thought I wasn't grieving and actually resented me. Uh, so there are lots of rejection. The, the story could go on and on, but uh -huh. many, many more years of rejection until finally when I was 38 years old, I, after going through a long healing journey myself, I asked my dad, I begged him really to be more of a dad to me. Uh, and he told me he didn't want that. And wow. uh, walked, out, yeah, walked out of my life and I never heard from him again. Uh, yeah. He died a couple of years later and the last words I ever heard from my dad were, I don't want to be your dad. So uh, a yeah. lot of healing that well, I needed to go through for myself, but also to become the dad that I wanted to be for my children. Well, you know, this is, I, I'm, I'm very sorry that you went, you went through all this and I, and I see this in Thank emails, you, 
in emails that I get from from kids, boys and girls, daily. Um, yeah. That there's a dad. There's a dad missing, and even when they don't say it. Mm-hmm. The kind of feelings they have about themselves and the kind of high-risk behaviors that they engage in, I'm yeah. always thinking, is there a dad in the picture here? Because yeah. it is what has come to, to make sense to me is that without a dad in the picture, these things are more likely to occur. And when I read in the beginning of your book about the startling statistics about high yes. school dropout and substance abuse use and... and um, uh, Horrific, horrific things. I thought, wow, incarceration. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not hard to connect the dots about the importance of the roles of dads. And you have um, yeah. really your your Great Dads Project. I want to talk about that in a minute. But, but first I want to talk about the title of your book because I am a writer myself yeah. and I know words I know. matter. <laughs> and so when you say how to be a great dad, my first thought is, you have to define this for me. If you're going to set up a book saying, okay, I'm going to show you how to do something, I, as mm-hmm. a reader, want to know what is it you're going after? What does it mean for you as a writer yeah. and as a dad and as a mentor to other dads? What does it mean to be a great dad? Can you define it for me? I think it means to give as much as you can to your children and particularly meet the needs that they have to be present and engaged in their lives and I tried to break that down uh, through my own experience, through my reading, through my research, boiling down what I know of child development, particularly for um, for younger children growing into their teen years. I boil it down to, you know, as you've seen in the book, affirmation, acceptance, and affection. And I think if I can help dads learn how to positively affirm their children, building in them a sense of self-esteem and identity, if I can help them demonstrate unconditional and unending acceptance and that there's a place that kids belong. So many of the teenagers, I think that you write to daily, just don't feel like they belong in their families. And so they go out searching where, where do I belong? You know, in in the arms of another man, in a group, in a gang. Um, But if dads can express that kind of acceptance that I accept you no matter what, Kids know they belong. And then lastly, affection, speaking words and demonstrating physically um, affection. So I think being a great dad means primarily those three things. That's that's a wonderful and really clear definition. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute here. I know that even without um, an absent dad or um, worst case, an abusive dad, um, a lot of guys in our culture find it difficult to show affection more Absolutely. to their sons maybe than to their daughters. I actually had an email exchange with a young man six months ago. His mom had just died after a long illness. And mm-hmm. at the funeral, his father said, suck it up, man. You know, real men don't cry. Suck it up, son. Right. And and this idea of, um, I'm sure the dad was well-meaning. Um, maybe, and yeah, maybe. He, Maybe, but he totally missed the mark. And and so I guess my question to you, Keith, is that yeah. um, given the culture and the macho framework that many guys um, define themselves within, yeah. how is it that men who become dads can show that softer side, can give mm-hmm. their kids, as you say, what they need? Yeah. You know, fantastic question. And honestly, that's what my work and my book is all about. It's You've mentioned the first part of the title, How to Be a Great Dad. 
the subtitle, which is probably the most important, is no matter what kind of father you had. And it's my story. You know, I had to learn how to be appropriately affectionate with my boys. I have three sons, all teenagers now, uh, absolutely adore them and have been affectionate with them ever since I learned how to do it when they were young. I had to force myself to do that because I didn't have a dad. I didn't know what that was like. And in our culture, male, male showing males affection is sometimes a, a difficult thing. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the macho culture and so thankfully, it's something I've learned. It's something I've demonstrated. I think you know from my book, I had the incredible good fortune of working in prisons for six years with inmates, incarcerated men, and learning uh, to help those guys become physically expressive. You should see um, guys in prison for gang-related violence, drug-related uh, murder. These guys are hugging each other, hugging me crying in my arms as they tell me their dad stories. Just beautiful stuff. Guys can get by this. Most of us want to, but we don't know how and we've not been shown. And I, thankfully, Annie, honestly, I'm a big guy. I, I play football and rugby in college. I won a national championship playing rugby. I still work out. I'm 6'2", 210 pounds. You know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a small guy. And so when I work with men, I have the good fortune of standing in front of them and, and appearing kind of a you might say a man's a man, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I talk about how affectionate I am with my children and when I'm affectionate, even with the guys that I work with, it breaks down barriers and it starts opening up wounds because so many of us guys who have trouble showing affection, it's because we didn't receive that from our dads. Right. And then maybe, um, maybe somehow we survive by thinking or saying to ourselves, I don't need that. That's yeah. not, that's not what real men do. And, and well, it's, yeah. it's a lie. Yeah, it is a lie because I tell myself that lie because if I say I don't need that, then supposedly it doesn't hurt that I didn't get it. Uh, one of the men I'm coaching right now, I work with men individually and in small groups, coaching them how to be great dads. And one of the guys, we're working on this very thing, and he he's beginning to cry on our Skype sessions when I talk with him just because I'm being verbally affectionate and affirming him as a man. And he told me a couple of weeks ago, he said, my dad never told me he loved me mm. and never hugged me. Yeah, you can't grow up that way. I mean, we're human beings. No. We have human hearts. And whether you're male or female, um, we we need this. I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit because this touches on something that I do. I do, I do parent coaching myself. And I find mm. that um, single dads um, who's, mm -hmm. who don't necessarily have um, a, a great shared custody agreement with their yeah. ex-spouse often feel alienated from their kids. And sometimes yeah. the ex-spouse plays up on that and um, demonizes dad in the eyes of, of the kids. And, and there's all kinds of messes yeah. that happen as a result of that. What can dads who are divorced dads do yeah. to make sure that they stay connected with their kids? Yeah, fantastic question. Thank you. Am I getting um, points for these fantastic questions? <laughs> they really are good. You know, I'm working, I'm coaching a couple of divorced dads. And I don't know if you know, Annie, that I'm a fairly recently divorced dad myself. I did not know that. So I am in that situation where uh, I long to spend more time with my kids. You know, I love my boys. They love me. I've had years and years and years of building in their life, thankfully. But uh, it's never enough time. You know, so we stay connected. 
by calling each other, texting each other regularly. Mm-hmm. We all look forward to our times together in, in between. I'm always talking to them about what we're going to do next and when we're going to do it. So there's that always that looking forward to that anticipation. Uh, and then making the most of the time when we're there. You know, um, I was with my boys a few weeks ago and I had them, made them dinner. We were sitting around the dinner table and I brought this, this very topic up and I said, you know, it's, it's hard for me now that we don't get as much time together as we used to. And I want you to know how hard that is for me. I miss you guys so much when I'm with you and it's good for them to hear that. Uh, and my youngest, uh, who is going to 12 turning 13, my youngest said, you know, dad, it's, it's really okay because, you know, when you, when you were around more, you were working a lot and you were there. And, but now when we're with you, you totally focus on us. You give us so much attention and time. And so this is great. I don't know that I'd change this. That's really interesting. Great observation. I know from a 12 year old, I thought, okay, something, you know, (laughs) this is not an ideal situation, but I'm trying to make the best of it. Yeah, and he's he's um, aware of what a focused parent feels like to be around, mm-hmm. you know, So and he's contrasting exactly. that. So that's really cool. And now you've just brought up something else that I'm thinking about for divorced dads. Um, yeah. The planning, you know, letting letting kids know this is what we're going to be doing the next time we're together. Yeah. Um, several of the dads that I've coached have talked about the need almost to be an activities director. Right. So that if you've got, you know, one weekend every other weekend or one weekend yeah. Every fourth weekend or something, you want to plan something, and then you kind of become the dad who is providing all these really super things to do. But I wonder, um, I mean, first of all, a how do you keep that up? And with the <laughs> yeah. kids' expectation, well, what are you going to do this time? You know, we went to yeah. Disneyland. What's next week? And you can't repeat. Yeah. But the other part is the the normal kind of calm hanging out time. Right. I mean, is that something that Divorced dads also need to schedule in, and it's so that it's not always this, you know, great spectacular adventure time. We're going to this theme park, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of pieces to that. You know, I've read about that. I've been warned against that by other divorced dads myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not when I say I'm, I'm talking to them about what we're going to do. I'm actually not planning big things. There are okay. some big things that we do occasionally. But it's really just, hey, we're going to get together, we're going to play golf, or we're going to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, they're with me every Tuesday night, and that's a show they're really into. So uh, this evening, I'll pick them up, I'll make them dinner, we'll hang out, we'll play some ping pong, and we'll watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's our night together. But we're talking about it. You know, we talk about it ahead of time. I was traveling uh, the last week and a half. So while I was away, we're talking on the phone, we're texting. Uh, I was I watched Agents of Shield while I was away, so I could stay up on the episode with Good, them. Good, that's very you know? smart. <laughs> so that kind of thing. So it's not big adventures. And again, one of the reasons I think many of us dads plan the big adventures is because a we feel guilty for not being there, and it's a way of assuaging our own guilt. And b we don't know what to do during the hangout time with our kids. We don't know how to talk with them. We don't know how to play with them. We don't know how to get down to their level and just be. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things that probably you coach uh, men. And when you coach men, got, when I work with dads, those are the things we talk about. Just how to be with them in the day-to-day. Yeah. How to affirm them. How to just do regular, normal things. How to go to the park. How to go to the library. How to I bake mean, cookies. And, and <laughs> Make actually, dinner. My, we just did that. My... Uh, my two oldest were at a formal dance, and so my youngest and I went to the store, and he picked out the 
the chocolate chips and he read all the ingredients and we bought everything and came home and he made chocolate chip cookies for everybody. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> really. I mean, it's like, it's, it's the quality of the time. It's, it's yeah. not the ski trip or whatever adventure. It's the quality right. of the time. Um, yeah. great. I'm so glad we're having this conversation before we, before we go off, I've got, I've got one, one more thing I want to ask you and it has to do with the role of moms. Um, or the women in the lives of dads. Sometimes you hear um, women say, um, I would love if my husband were closer with our kids. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, I would love if my ex-spouse were closer with our kids. Sometimes that's genuine. And sometimes, um, you know, sometimes there's a game going on here where, where the woman feels that the kids can be used as a weapon in their affection, a weapon mm-hmm. against dad or ex-spouse. So taking yeah. a positive view here, um, what would you say are, you know, say three tips that you could give to women who are listening to this of how they could really and sincerely help and encourage the men in their lives to be better dads? Yeah, I would say uh, give you a couple right now okay. and then let you know that I'm actually doing a whole webinar on this at the end oh, of the okay. month uh, on May. Okay, give me The two. first thing is to trust. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Give, give me two tips. Okay, the first is to, to trust him with your children, to really trust him, uh, to trust that they're going to be alive when they come home, uh, <laughs> whether you're <laughs> divorced or married or separated, you know, to many of us men feel inept and inadequate to be dads. And we need to know that the mother of our children actually trusts us to be a decent dad. Uh, When we feel criticized, when we feel like we're being watched over, where we're told what to do, we're being babysat ourselves, uh, we move away from that. It's we, affirmation is like a magnet for most of us men. Because we're for most of us get enough of that from our dads. And so when we feel that we're trusted, we want to move toward that. And so if you want your man to be spending more time with your children and investing more of himself in it, the more you can trust him to do that and express that trust to him, the more he'll rise up to it. Okay. Uh, and the second one? I'd say affirm him as a father. Uh, and even if some of that affirmation is more vision than it is present reality, uh, because again, we, we move toward affirmation. When, when we feel we're getting a pat on the back or a compliment, it's one of the reasons why I think so many men spend more time at work than they probably should, uh, and why so many women don't understand why men don't want to spend more time with their families, because often in our families, we feel inadequate. We don't know what to do. Most of us men didn't grow up babysitting or caring for younger siblings. And I was 37 years old before I ever held a baby. Wow. You know, I didn't know what to do. I had no idea how to change a baby, burp a baby, feed a baby. And if my wife criticized me for those things or not trusted me to do those things, yeah. I would have just gone to where I felt adequate, where I was trained, where I was educated, which is at work. And so if you want your man to be more at home, the third thing I'd say is to make home a place he wants to be. Partially by affirming him as a father and partially by trusting him with your children. Those are the three things I'd say for now. I'm going to be expanding on those and adding a couple of more at the end of May, May 29th. I actually have a free webinar for moms um, about helping men become the husband and excuse me, the father that you want him to be. 
and avoiding the mistakes you might not know you're making. This is all such great information. Wow. Oh, thanks, Annie. I love it. You know, my son is about to become a dad for the first time in about oh, six how weeks. Fun. And I'm sharing your book with him. Not that he had uh, a bad dad, he has a wonderful dad. I'm and, sure he does. And um, I'm sure he will be a wonderful son. Um, but your book is, is enlightening and it's good for all of us to be reading. So before we sign off, Keith, can you give us uh, a URL where people can learn more about your work? Yeah, at uh, my website is thegreatdadsproject.org, O-R-G. Dads is plural, thegreatdadsproject.org. And especially if you go to upcoming events, you'll see a couple of uh, free webinars I have, one for moms and one for dads uh, at the end of May and the beginning of June. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us and for the really great work you're doing. It's, Thank you, uh, Annie. It's I know it's needed, so yeah. thanks. Thank you. I appreciate being here. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with teens and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. Available on Amazon, in print, and for Kindle. And please tune in next week for a new podcast, when my guest will be Alden Mills, author of Be Unstoppable, The Eight Essential Actions to Be successful in anything. Until then, happy parenting! <music>